With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Nick Augustine, and I'm your host on this episode of Law Talk Radio, produced by Augustine Legal Public Relations, the event, media, marketing, and advertising firm for lawyers. Support for Law Talk Radio comes from Chris McCarthy of Northwestern Mutual. Chris McCarthy provides individuals and business owners with expert guidance and exclusive access to Northwestern Mutual's life and disability insurance policies. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For on-demand links to all of our episodes and links to our host station, please visit our website and select the link called On Demand Episodes, located at www.augustinelegalpr.com forward slash law talk radio. Again, that's Augustine, A-U-G-U-S-T-I-N-E, legal PR forward slash uh, dot com forward slash law talk radio. Now, our show, our guest for this evening, uh, this evening's show is titled Evolved Law Firm Brand Management with Jeannie Frazier. Jeannie Frazier is our guest, and first let me just tell you that if you ask most lawyers to tell you a little bit about their brand, you're likely to receive a confused look and a short answer that they have the best law firm. Well, that tells me absolutely nothing. If you manage a law firm or run a solo practice, take notes because our guest Jeannie Fraser today will share some basic tips on understanding and working on building and communicating your law firm brand and brand messages. Our guest, Jeannie Fraser, has conducted workshops and seminars across the U.S. on topics including public relations, research, integrated marketing, branding, media, and strategic planning. Working with law firms and legal associations on branding and marketing for over 12 years, Jeannie is uniquely qualified to talk about issues facing today's lawyers. Legal speaking uh, expertise that Jeannie has, a North Carolina Advocates for Justice, Numeral Personal Injury Lawyers and Marketing and Management Conference, which is P-I-L-M-M-A, uh, also spoke at Catalyst Conference, Lawyers Inner Circle, and Legal Marketing Association, Southeastern Chapter. There's a link to uh, Jean, the company and firm Jeannie works at, uh, Vitalink, or Vitalink, and it's www.vitalinkweb.com. Again, that's vitalinkweb.com. Also, see the expert speakers at www.theexpertspeakers.com. And we do have a great show for you this afternoon. Your calls are welcome. You can always dial 917-889-9732 and then press option 1 to be placed in our caller queue. That telephone number again is 917-889-9732. By way of short disclaimer, this is a general information program and the advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Communications with attorneys and guests among callers and guests on our show cannot give rise to attorney-client relationships, generally speaking. Uh, and if you have questions, you should consult with an attorney in your area. And finally, all callers remain confidential and rights to this broadcast are reserved. Now, a quick overview of the segments we're going to be covering tonight in our hour. We have together, we're first going to talk about why law firms uh, should care about their brand. Secondly, in our second segment, how your brand is as important as your car. And third, becoming an approachable expert. Finally, in our fourth segment, we're talking about stepping over dollars to pick up dimes. I really like that one. So without further ado, I welcome our guest, Jeannie Frazier. Thank you, Nick. I'm so happy to be here today. Well, I'm glad to uh, have a, a few of your valuable minutes here. And as we start going, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your firm and what you do? Gosh, I started my firm back in 1996. I used to work on uh, the media side for the television stations. And I found really that a lot of the agencies that were out there helping clients were really sort of taking advantage of them and not putting the extra effort in. So I started by the link back then to really be able to do that. We're a boutique firm, not for everybody, but we really work hard to give our clients a lot of value for their dollar. And uh, started a little over a decade ago, 12-plus years, I think, um, working with attorneys and legal associations, and that just really developed as a niche for us and, and something that uh, we were good at and we were able to help a lot of people. All right. Well, that's a good answer, and uh, you and I wear similar hats. Uh, we do a lot of similar things. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, some of your 
words and advice on why law firm branding and marketing is important. Again, this is something they don't teach us in law school, although they're starting now. Uh, a lot of schools are talking about practice management, and the American Bar Association has done a great job um, in the practice management group on teaching a lot of this. But again, it's not second nature, and marketing and branding skills and copywriting is very different from legal writing and legal analysis, so um, this is a great show. So first in our first segment, let's talk a little bit about why law firms should care about their brands. Jeannie? Well, you know, it used to be that you could just go to law school, come out, and hang a, hang a shingle up and just say what you did, and that was enough. People would find you. There was a lot of referrals. That's the way the business happened. And it's really not that way anymore. You're working in a different environment. There's so much more competition going on right now. So you really have to be able to get out there and tell very clearly and concisely who you are. Because whether we like it or not, people make judgments in an instant. So, And the people who are making those judgments in an instant about the firm, about the attorney, or your prospective clients, your peers, and other referral sources. So you only get one chance to make that first impact, that first impression, and it's something that can make you or break you. Now, one of the things that I like uh, to hear uh, some people say that the person who answers your phone is the director of first impressions and the first opportunity that someone has to know a little bit about your firm. Can you talk a little bit about... um, just about the, you know, the first line of first impressions. Absolutely. I mean, it's not only, you know, the receptionist, because that person, you're right, they are the director of first impressions. If, if, they, if a client is calling in or a prospective client is calling in and that receptionist is not friendly and, and caring and, you know, take enough time to, to make that person feel welcome, that can give a bad impression of your firm. And what I like to say is a lot of people, when they think about branding, they think about it's just their logo, and that's all it is, and that's all they should care about. But really, your brand is every bit that makes up your firm, and that includes your people. It includes every piece that you put out there. So every person within the firm, you know, starting with a receptionist, through the paralegals, through the legal assistants, your attorneys, your business manager, everybody who's in that firm is almost a mini-marketer for your firm. And it's one of the least expensive things that you can do because you're not spending any more money than you already are you know, running your firm, is to have those people really well-versed in customer service and always remembering what they're there to do and that making that good impression and dealing with someone very fairly, very compassionately can help them get a better feeling about that law firm. And um, just as important as you know, a TV commercial that you might do if you're if you're that type of attorney or, you know, direct mail piece, it may be that it's your brochure or your website, those people in your law firm are just as important. And uh, one thing that I like to say is, you know, as kids we were taught to spot a fake. Do you remember in those, you know, classes when you were growing up and you were learning things that your teacher would give you, you know, a sheet with several pictures on it or several words on it, and you're taught to find what doesn't belong in this picture? you're taught to find that fake. So if you're going to a firm and they're saying that customer service is their thing and that's, you know, that's what they're that's what they're espousing their brand is, but you you pick up the phone to call that customer service firm and you get a receptionist who's not very friendly. Law All office. of a sudden you're going to go, yeah, that's wait a minute. Law office, fit. you know, come on, like be you know, I I sometimes feel like I'm offending the person by calling. Exactly. So you're not going to want to call again, and maybe instead of saying something, you're going to use your feet and you're going to go find a different firm who does want to take that call from you. And then, you know, the one thing that you don't want to get into with lawyers is to find those disconnects where the kids are, you know, now adults are spotting the fake and saying, mm, that doesn't fit with what you told me, that doesn't make sense. Then they're going to go into that word of, you're lying to me. And a brand is really a promise that you're making to that client that you're saying, this is who we are then you need to make sure that that promise is seen in every bit of what you do, including your people. I agree so much. And when you talk about teaching and working with uh, members of a firm um, and you do you talk about branding, and what, do you, what are some other definitions or things that you teach them from the ground up, like as a mother goose uh, type of instruction that you just assume that not everyone knows? <laughs> 
Well, there's a lot of different things with that. We sometimes call ourselves the brand police. And uh, typically when we'll start work with a firm, we try to get our hands on every piece of marketing that they do so that we can get a feel of how consistent it is. Because one thing with the branding and the marketing that a lot of people will go off course on is they get bored with the message and they want to change it up in everything that they do. And the thing about your brand is that you need to be consistent. It's like that rhinoceros hitting you over the head with that one point. I mean, you need to be consistent every single day. When you think back, whether you liked him or not, Barack Obama, when he ran before, he ran on a platform of change. And when you said his name, people knew he stood for change. So that was something that he was consistent in. Everything he did and everything he said, that came through. So when we go through and we develop a brand for a firm or work with them to refine their brand, it's visual, it's in a spoken word, it's in messages that they say. As we come up and we do what we call you know, kind of their brand Bible or their style guide, and that will have different points that they can follow. So it's almost like a cheat sheet. If you're writing a letter, pull it out and take a look at it. Your brand should include these types of words. And, you know, again, if you're going back to that first that firm that may be customer service oriented, you may have certain terms that um, that fit that brand and that fit who that firm is, and they should be used in the communications. You know, you should use your logo correctly. You should do those kind of things. But even more important than just kind of implementing those different pieces, visually, verbally, um, and message-wise in what you do is, taking that first step to define them and find out where, what really makes that firm special. And, and a lot of firms that we found don't know. Um, and you, you deal with some people internally, and they may not think they're as good as they are. Um, sometimes they think they do certain things great. Sometimes they think they do other things poorly. Uh, what we like to do is we like to start with research. And we'll go in and we'll survey not only the clients, but we'll survey the staff internally and the attorneys, and not, not just the partners, but everybody from that firm, because everybody's going to have a little bit of a different perspective. And then what we do is we compare the results of that, and we call it kind of our perception versus reality. You know, and it may be that your perception is you're offering champagne service, but the reality of what your clients are seeing may be that you're given a beer service instead of champagne. So it's, it's a, a good point and a good way to find out where those sweet spots are, where you say you do this well and your clients are also saying you do this, do this well. So that becomes a core branding and a core truth that's going to be a whole lot harder for you to mess up on if everybody already thinks you're doing that well to begin with. And I know that I've mentioned a couple times, you know, the customer service thing. Not every firm is good with that. You know, so if you're not the kind of firm who returns calls in a timely manner and who does those types of things well, but you are good at getting a settlement or different types of um you know, different types of communication with your client once they're in front of you. You find what you do best, and that becomes part of your brand. You don't try to fake it. You don't try to say that uh, it's one thing just because you've seen another firm do it. you got to find out what you do best because you're only you going to be the second best somebody else. Exactly. Thank you for making that statement because everyone seems to want to say that they do, you know, that they're trying to meet an expectation um, of I will call the client right back or I'll do this. And I really appreciate your note that you just said there about customer service because I've heard so many people say, you know, I'm a solo practitioner. I can't always return your call like immediately. I can return it within the next day. But the, the, the important thing is if you set expectations, meet expectations. So, exactly. you know, and I've seen people put in their engagement agreements. You may not be able to get a hold of me, um, you know, exactly as we're laying down what they should expect. And I think that if you tell someone I will return your call within a, within a window of time and you do that, you know, then you're good. But I totally agree that if you say you're going to do something and you don't do that, that makes you a liar. That's something our parents yeah, taught exactly. us. Um, people very angry. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, you know, and any other thing that I'd like to uh, comment on what you said, I agree very much with uh, how everyone around us really determines our brand. And, and the comments that you get from people, positive and negative, really help us see because it seems like there's the brand we think we want to be and want to have, and then there's who we actually are. Yeah. We had a firm recently that we started work with that didn't want to do the research. They just said, you you determine who we should be, and we'll be that. Yeah, can't do it. And, you know, that work. just doesn't work because, you know, not everybody's going to follow that. And we find 
much, much more success when we can find what really makes that firm unique. And everybody has something. Every single firm is going to have something that they do well. They may be just the most caring. They may be, you know, high on expertise. There's going to be something that that firm does better than anybody else. And who better to tell you than your clients and the people that are working for you and who see it every day? They're the ones who are really going to know that. And a lot of times it can be different than what the partner in the firm may think. And that's not to say that you couldn't say, you know, hey, we're going to take that. And if that partner wants the firm to be that and he spends, you know, time training and educating and doing the rest of that, then, you know, somewhere down the road that that couldn't become part of what it is. But really you've got to go with your core strengths. You've got to go with what makes you special as defined by your customers and by the people who do the work every day. Exactly. Amen to that. We're going to pause for our first event message break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk in segment two about why your brand is as important as your car. First, I want to tell you about the event coming up. This Divorce Expo 2012 comes to Chicagoland. It's the Divorce Expo. is an initiative that aims to help families from all backgrounds navigate successfully through relationships in transition. This initiative was born out of one of the producers, Mr. Juiced Oliver, Rod, uh, his own experience with the divorce process. Each event offers educational sessions and opportunities to speak with the professionals and find new ways to work on improving the relationship, select the appropriate path through divorce if appropriate, and how to move forward successfully afterwards. People come away with a sense of a better control over the process and therefore a better sense of direction in their lives lives of their children. Again, the Divorce Expo 2012 comes to the Chicagoland area, taking place in Naperville, Illinois, on 18th of September. Um, I will be there speaking to exposition people as well as covering the event for uh, a couple publications. It's really the first one of its kind to come to the Chicagoland area. Anyone who wants more information uh, can get a hold of me directly. Uh, email me, nick, N-I-C-K, at augustinelegalpr.com. Again, that's Nick at AugustineLegalPR.com. I also want to tell you about Chicago Now and the new Family Law column. Uh, Check out Friends in Family Law, the new column about family law in Chicago Now, a Tribune Media Group publication featuring real stories in and out of court. Your your truly Nick Augustine interviews the folks who work in the family law industry and those who have tips and stories to share with our Chicago Now readers. Please visit Chicago Now forward slash family law to learn more about this new weekly column. All right, now back to our show with Jeannie Frazier. Jeannie is our guest. She's uh, from the firm Vitalink. Um, Jeannie, you want to give us, before we talk about segment two, another link um, to your site and tell us a little bit about your other site, the the experts. Sure. Um, Our link to the website is vitalinkweb.com. That's V-I-T-A-L-I-N-K web.com. And the expert speakers is also at the expertspeakers.com. That was developed after I had um, spent many years through my clients being asked to speak at events, and um, it was just something that I really enjoyed. So as part of a, a session that I had with a um, with a coach, they had you know really brought that out in me and understood that that was something that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the education. I enjoyed the mentoring. I enjoyed being able to help people out with their business, not just with with uh, with the advertising agency Vitalink, but also with speaking engagements and, and workshops and that type of thing. So I initially had started it out as a venture just for myself, but then I had also run across several other people who I know very well who were amazing speakers and who wanted to get involved. So a new business sprung from that. Well, you know, it happens so often. And again, we talk about our brands kind of uh, being laid out by others for us. Um, that's sort of how the cookie crumbles sometimes. Start talking about branding more, let's talk about why you believe, and I'll probably agree with you, that your brand is as important as your car. Yeah, someone who I had come into contact with and who's a really good friend uh, of mine as well, her name is Cheryl, and she runs Catalyst Group. And she had once told me that uh, one of the best pieces of advice that she could give a lawyer was to buy an expensive car because they would be seen as successful. And at a lot of the speaking engagements since then that I go to where there are attorneys, I'll, you know, I'll ask the group, you know, how many of you in this crowd, you know, drive Mercedes? And, you know, show of hands, how many drive a BMW? And and I would tell you for most of the groups, 
most of them in there are going to be driving nice cars, and they understand that from a very simple level that if they drive a nice car and they, you know, they come to work and they look well put together, that they're going to be seen as successful. And that's a basic tenet of branding, although it's just personal branding if you think about it like that. So to me, that's important, but you're only going to be seen by so many people driving around in that car. Your firm, the law firm, that that you know, attorney is in essence driving. It's it's more of a, a larger car in a sense. Doesn't always get the same kind of love and attention that their physical car gets. So the firm itself and the impact that it can make and the number of people that it's in front of are going to be even bigger than the car. So it's one of those things that you know, if you look at it and impressions are what people are going to judge you on, you need to kind of take as much time and attention and funds as what you put in your car to create that impression. That makes much sense. And also when doing websites and uh, so forth, you know, image is reality. And if you have a cheap website, you're going to look like a cheap lawyer. Absolutely. And, I mean, people are going to make those judgments. I had an attorney one time give me a book that I thought was rather interesting. I mean, he kind of fancies himself a marketer, and he does a lot of that. But he gave me this book called Blink. And it's true. People do make judgments within the blink of an eye. So if they go to a website and the website looks like it was created 20 years ago, it has bad colors or doesn't fit the kind of screen resolution that they have today or or doesn't offer an ease of navigation or an ease of language or even give a message of why you should care or even want to be on that website, then people are going to click off and just go somewhere else. You know, it's the same thing as if they get, you know, a brochure, if they see a business card that kind of looks, um, you know, that looks simple or like a quick copy, just put it together. It makes a difference. And it may not win you every case, but it can certainly lose a client for you. Oh yeah, and uh, you know one of the things that uh, that I was talking to someone just this morning about when we're talking about websites, um, there there was an individual who spent all sorts of money on a real custom built, custom designed everything uh, site back in the day, and you know a lot of the sites now are more template driven, and um, a lot of them look similar to each other, and there's an element of consumer psychology I think that when people see a website. They want to be able to navigate it really quickly. So um, if you offer things to people in a format they're used to seeing, you know, and that's why people uh-huh. get so frustrated with social media platforms, you know, the second, hey, I just figured out where everything was on LinkedIn, and now they moved it. Um, they you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. It does need to be intuitive. And, and that's another way to show that you care about your customer, by making every touch point that they could deal with you easy. So if you're showing not only just by how you answer the phone, but you're showing through your marketing that you want to make it a pleasant, easy experience for them to do business with you, and a lot of times I know lawyers think about doing business is a bad word, um, but, but you are in the business of doing business. So you want to make it intuitive and easy so that they know when they come to you, wow, if, you know, if their website's that easy, that's someone you're going to want to pick up the phone and call. But if that website is complicated or, you know, you're used to being able to hover above things and find a link or, you know, you know this work is a video because that's something that's been established, like you said, by the templates and that type of thing, that creates comfort and that creates something that makes it very easy for them. So they're going to get the impression that working with you is easy like that as well. Very, very true. Um, you know, another point uh, I want to talk to you about is marketing copycats. And uh, before I hear, uh, you, you know, your uh, angle on this, I tell people frequently uh, that some of the larger legal venues or legal vendors that offer the canned blogs, I say, no, 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 let's do fresh original content. Because those search engine crawlers are going to say, oh, you've got blog number 453 about this product liability issue. Come on, buddy, write your own piece. What do you think? Yeah. Well, the search engines are only going to count it the first time. So if you're doing a copycat piece on a blog, you're not getting any value of search engine optimization. And the other thing sometimes with blogging, too, is, you know, I know that there's been a lot of talk back or forth as far as does it make sense to do. A lot of people don't read it, and it's true. It may not be one of the most read pieces on a website, but if you do it right and you make it original, 
it can attract people to read it and get to know who you are as an attorney and give them for a reason to pick up that phone or fill out a form on your website and work with you. And if you do it right and don't, you know, just use a copy of a copy of a copy, it will add the search engine optimization to your site, and that's something that's so important. And, you know, what I've found is that a lot of times lawyers, um, they're smart. They do their research. You know, they look around and say, okay, such and, I mean, they know what every other attorney in the market is doing. They know what attorneys are doing in other markets. What happens is, is a lot of them will start copying what everybody else is doing. So you end up getting, it's it's almost like, and I'm, I hate to use this word, it's almost like you get a little inbreeding of ideas. Is, you know, when you get one successful attorney doing something and then everybody else starts doing something, it just kind of doesn't work as well after a while. So one of the things that I really work with my firms about to do is to find what makes them different and be okay to stand out from the crowd. Because when you say a message or you say a phrase a little differently than everybody else and you're really being true to who you are and 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 pulling that brand and that core truth and, and really what makes you who you are and standing up and saying, that's who I am, instead of saying what the other ten attorneys are saying, mm-hmm. every dollar that you spend on your marketing is going to work harder because you're going to stand out. It's not right. going to sound like just, oh, yeah, he sounds like the other guy. Oh, yeah, that's that. I mean, people <laughs> tune that out after a while. Oh, yeah. So it's going, to, it's going to make your money work harder. Well, I know, I'll tell you, I did something, I took kind of a creative risk on my new, this Chicago Now uh, Tribune blog on friends and family law, that's my baby, and I had to come up with a logo for it, and I was just writing, scratching out names on a yellow pad, and uh, my brother was with, he said, put friends in it, and okay, so we have friends and family law, and really how we made the logo, we just took a Sharpie, like a blue Sharpie, and wrote it on a yellow pad, took a picture Uh with a cell phone with Instagram, gave it a cool border, uploaded it, boom, and I'll tell you what, you look on social media, you'll see that, I mean, people's eyes will catch it. And um, yeah. you know, even my father, who spent his entire life working in marketing and branding and radio, um, you know, mm-hmm. he liked it right away. Ooh, that's catchy because you always know. Dad will tell you if it's no yeah. good. But you know, it's, it's a creative risk. <laughs> and some, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, you know, it's you know, be that. I always love the. Um, there's a guy in our local in our county here in DuPage. Um, there's a guy with a ponytail. Everyone knows the ponytail guy, or the guy who wears the yeah. cowboy hat in court. I mean, these are brands, and everyone, you know, it's you know, stand out. I, I really, I really like that that point there um be who you are i mean you look at some of the wildly successful firms out there and they're known for something right take a look at apple they're the number one innovation company in this country they were in an industry that was pretty much a dying industry i mean computers basically became a commodity they were getting less and less expensive and it just one was the same as the other well they stood out and said you know what that's not who we are we're about innovation, we're about doing things differently, and they charge a whole lot more than everybody else. And guess what? I mean, when I went out to dinner on a movie on Saturday night, before I went to the dinner, there was a line outside the Apple store. Of course, it was tax-free weekend, but when I came back from the movie, there was still a line outside the Apple store. And people sign up for that because that is something different. And in an industry that was kind of just trying to crank out product cheaper and cheaper as a commodity, they stood out because they do things differently. Mhm. Mhm. Well, and uh, you know, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, another example is, you know, and a completely different thing that makes them special is the number one trust and the number one ethical brand that people have found is Hershey's. Hmm. They're steady. They're not flashy. They don't try to be ultra trendy. They try to be that good American thing that you can trust. It doesn't change. Hershey's doesn't change. You go and you get a Hershey's bar, you know what you're going to expect. They're not Apple. They're not flashy. They're not innovative. They are steady. They are, you know, quality home, you know, that type of thing. So people have resonated with that and said, you know what, I trust them. They're ethical. There you go. There's and you no... choose what you do well, and you make that your brand. Well, right. You know, and again, I think a lot of times people will fight it and they'll say, I want to be this or I want to be that. But if everybody knows you as, let's say you're a really good trademark lawyer, everybody knows you as an IP person, um, but there's mm-hmm. this new fun practice area that wants to get along. And everyone's jumping into that. You know, it's, you know, it's, I don't know, it's tough jumping around in different practice areas. Um, you know, people are going to know you for who you are and what you do. You know, and I've experienced this, um, you know, where I've, 
tried on different things, and I'm, you know, I get like, it's like a, I get sucked back to center, um, you know, with what everybody else wants. Uh, you know, I mean, I started my, you know, the way that my company started uh, in 2005 to, you know, what it's turned into today. Um, you know, really, it's it's the customers and the people who know me that really drive what it is. Yeah, it definitely is. We're going to now um, take a pause for another uh, special offer break and talk about some other uh, radio shows that we're going to be doing soon. Then we're going to come back in our third segment with Jeannie, and we're going to talk about becoming an approachable expert and what that means. So first, I want to tell you that we do have an upcoming show. I'll tell you more about this in the upcoming weeks. It's going to be middle of September. The Vitito Law Group is going to appear on Law Talk Radio to talk about the NFL concussion cases. The Law Talk Radio theme for September is school and sports safety, and you might know our friends at the Vitito Law Group from the movie Aaron Brockovich, the modern-day David who likes to play brawl with today's Goliath. Aaron and the Vitito Law Group are teaming up to fight and change policy and perception about NFL player safety and what you should know about traumatic brain injury. Keep on checking in with us for more information about School and Sports Safety Month, which is the month of September, on Law Talk Radio. Of course, if you have any questions, you can always get in touch with me personally by dialing 312-505-2604 or in DuPage County at 630-445-1724. also want to tell you about a special offer from our friends at the Law Bulletin Publishing Company and the Chicago Lawyer Magazine. Listeners who have until the end of September... Take advantage of the Law Bulletin's combo package. You can go to lawbulletin.com forward slash combo and find out more information. And what you'll get is print and online versions of the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin plus a one-year subscription to the Chicago Lawyer, all for $159. Again, lawbulletin.com forward slash combo to take, care of, uh, take advantage of this offer that runs through the end of September. Also, don't forget to check out the Around the Water Cooler articles where my colleagues and I share tips and stories with our Chicago Lawyer magazine readers. All right, now back to our program. Again, our guest is Jeannie Frazier from Vitalink, and uh, she's, uh, you're based in Raleigh, North Carolina. Is that right? That's correct. But I assume that you probably have clients all over the place, right? We do, yeah. We've worked with clients, I think, in over 25 states and I think four different languages. <laughs> wow, wow. Who do you, you know, Google Translator really works wonders for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, most of our clients who did work in different languages will also speak in English as well to make that simple, but yes. <laughs> That's always a good, you know, a funny story. Um, uh, we have a, f- a friend of uh, the company, is a gentleman in Scotland who works in legal process outsourcing. And, um, you know, even 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 in English, um, you know, some of our accents in the UK and around the country can sometimes make it a, a bit of a challenge. I know that you know in Chicago area, and we speak a little quicker, speak really fast sometimes. And um, I've had I had one guest who t- tells me he says, Nick, there was some point in the show that I just was going to ask you to slow down. The guy is uh, you know in the, one of the southern states, and um, I have to kind of remember and remind myself slow it down a little bit, you know. But um, at any rate, right in the south here we can get a little slow occasionally, <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean the mind doesn't work quick with it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, and maybe we got the air conditioning blasting here because it's been blazing hot in Chicago land. <laughs> so you know, maybe I'm speaking quicker to keep myself warm here. I'm chilling in my cold in here so at any rate back on oh. talk about branding I, I like this becoming an approachable expert um tell us a little bit more about what you mean about that well first off i want to say what a what a great thing with football and concussions and and you know having erin brockovich come in and talk about that she's become an expert right in in the idea of if you've got something that is you know impacting multiple people like a mass tort or something like that where there's an injury that she's an expert. So now granted, not every one of us can have, you know, Julia Roberts play us in a movie <laughs> and have that go on, but there's a lot of different ways that you can become that approachable expert. So people are looking for uh, a lot of times someone who has that that value, that um that knowledge that you can see, you know, and and one of the quickest ways today that people will find or deem you as an expert is if they Google you and you have a good Google footprint. And what I mean by that is, you know, like I said, not all of us can have an Aaron Brock or, you know, have Julia Roberts play us in the movie, 
But if you're going to look at your attorney, the number two page that people visit on a, a law firm's website beyond the main page is the attorney bios. So they're wanting to get to know you. And a lot of times they will come to a website directly from that person's name. So when that attorney's name is put in Google and you search, what comes up? What comes up is going to say a lot about you. So you're wanting to get a large footprint there. So becoming an approachable expert, there's a lot of different ways that you can do this, and I'm sure you can add a lot to this as well. You know, it can be by adding um, blogs, by really talking about that. And we spoke a little bit earlier about blogs and how, you know, how it's best to do that and have original content and show a little bit of yourself in it. Be transparent with that because people do want to get to know you as a person. So it's okay not to be all work with that and to have, you know, a sense of humor and, and let your own style show through. Um, educational videos are another way to um, have a larger Google footprint because Google, um, as I'm sure many of you know, has purchased YouTube. So they want to make sure that video is very important in search. So if you've got videos that are tagged appropriately, put on YouTube and also put on your website, those are going to pop up. So if someone's searching for you and they look and go, oh, well, look, there's a video about this subject or that subject. They can take a look at it and they can say, that guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. You know, in addition to that, you can work on getting articles that you've written posted on sites like Scribed or Ezine. There's a number of them out there that we work with. Um, and then we also take and say, you know, repurpose that content in seven different ways. You know, do a short short tweet about it, you know, write about it in a more personal way and include a picture on Facebook, you know, add, you know, add a, a summary of the article and a link to wherever you posted on an article site on LinkedIn. But you start getting those types of things out there, and when someone Googles your name, they're going to pop up. Now, you can also add to that regular type press releases where you might get mentions in local media, mainstream media, that type of thing. All those things are going to create the, um, I wouldn't even call it an illusion, because by the time that all this is happening, you are becoming an expert in it. Yeah. You're published on the Internet. You're seen in media. You're shown in video where you can kind of come into their homes like Oprah did and got her so popular, being yourself and being real and talking about a subject that you do know well, you went to school for. So a lot of attorneys will think, I want to become an expert, but how do I do that? Because everybody else went to this, you know, law school. Everybody else learned the same thing. Well, not everybody else is putting them out there in the same way that will increase their Google footprint. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you know, and something I might add is take the extra step that no one else does. Um, I was working with a family law firm, and I'm helping do business development and, um, you know, help build a solo practitioner's uh, practice back up. And I noticed an article where you know, we talk about school law and school safety and things mm -hmm. like that. You know, we see this article about um, about kids getting – some girl got horribly sunburned on a field mm -hmm. trip, and, um, you know, we're wondering what's the policy back there. Well, um, you know, let's take the step, and uh, the decision was made that we're going to research this issue and talk to some of our local uh, school administrators here and find out if this type of thing is happening in our neck of the woods or if there's, a, you know, policies. So whether, you know, the, the, you know we're gonna, then we're going to write a little piece about it and, you know, send it out in the blog and send it out in the newsletter and, um, you know, tell people, you know, here's a, here's a problem going on in the U.S. and here's a problem with schools. And, you know, we called our local schools here, and here's what uh, they had to say about it. And, you know, it's like take that extra step. You know, there may not be someone – someone may have never suggested in your marketing plan to go and do investigative journalism on your own, but uh, why not? Well, and it makes so much sense now because the newspapers and TV and radio and the rest of that, they're all working with a lot fewer resources. It used to be that you had tons of reporters working there, but you've got so many papers that have – consolidated and they're sharing editorial staff and they just don't have enough time to go out and find the story. So right. that kind of thing is amazing. I mean, we had a we had an employment lawyer that we worked with who um grabbed a hold of some news that was, you know, pretty hot topic at that time and that was on bullying. And I think there had been a video that came out where some girls were beating up another child and it just was really scary. So we again kind of took that investigative journalism angle contacted um, the media to, you know, kind of give them the other side of the story and talk about how you can, you know, how you can work with that, but also taking it on to the level of if you've been bullied in the workplace, what are your rights, how do you deal with those kind of issues. 
and it enabled them to have another side of the story and an extension of it, and it was great for that attorney because he could show his expertise in his practice area. Exactly. It's perfect. You know, and the thing is that these, you know, any national story starts locally and it comes from a story and it comes from the heart. Something happened to someone somewhere and now let's have a national dialogue about it and let's talk about it, you know, through tragedy, through good things, through bad things. You know, I mean, look at this recent Chick-fil-A debacle. I mean, there's, uh, you know, whether you love or hate Chick-fil-A or didn't know who they were, you sure know now. I mean, if you don't know, you know, I mean, you're living under a rock and, um, you know, it, it starts a discussion. And, you know, people have been talking about it. And one thing that I heard someone say, or two things I think are appropriate to uh, mention, one is whether you love Chick-fil-A or hate Chick-fil-A, you certainly know who they are. So controversy, uh, you know, certainly is like the best free advertising. My father always said, you know, I mean, get arrested and have a popular name. Everybody knows who you are. (laughs) You know, and the second thing, the second thing is that – you know, how many, if we actually drill down to every, you know, I guess Chick-fil-A may be a privately owned entity, but if you drill down to ownership of any, any organization and start digging into morals and values, you may have people who can't, you know, commerce would end because no one would go anywhere anymore. Right. But, you know, I tell you what, they going back to the whole branding point of being who you are, they set sales records. Yeah. Afterwards, because they had, I think it was some celebrity who kind of stood up and said, you know, if you, I mean, whether you like it or not, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get into which side of the opinion I would follow on. But, you know, the celebrity came forward and said, I, I believe it was a politician, came forward and said, you know, if you support Chick-fil-A's belief system, go out and face, you know, chicken today. Go out to Chick-fil-A today. And they set sales records for that day. Yep. So it did create controversy. They got on the news. They're still on the news, and the story is extending. But it's about, I mean, they are who they are. Right. And, you know, it, and the controversy has added to it. So, and, and like you had said just a second ago, when you've got these national stories coming down, the local news is always looking for an angle on it. You know, if that local, you know, if that someone in the Olympics was from their town, they want to show that side of the story. So a lot of times they're looking for a local expert who can give a different perspective on it. And that's an amazing place to be, you know, if you can kind of look at the news, if you're an attorney or a businessman or whoever might be listening and say, you know, if something comes up, hey, you know, here's what it is, but, you know, I might be able to bring a different value or perspective if you looked at it this way. And then, you know, be brave and pick up the phone and call them. Talk yeah. to them and say, you know, hey, there's a different side of this. Have yeah. you thought about this, this, or this? Right, right. And, you know, unlike uh, a lot of lawyers, and I, I say this jokingly, who don't answer the phone, when I call my editor at Chicago Lawyer, she answers. You know, I send an email, they're mm-hmm. out there. You know, they see and screen all yeah. this. And, um, you know, lawyers out there, you know, not everyone can afford to hire a PR team and work with people, yeah. but do spend the money on learning how to navigate in media and PR. Media people are different from lawyers. It's not like writing to opposing counsel. It's, uh, you know, media is a lot lighter and <laughs> happier and i've seen i've seen i've seen lawyers write these nasty like threatening retraction letters to, like stop it you know yeah, don't that kind do, of stuff doesn't work right yeah. right you know like take the time but do take the time and you know do the, you know we do media training i'm sure you do media training as well uh you know i mean these are things that you and your staff can do but you should know how to navigate appropriately um we have a few more minutes before our last break can we talk a little bit about book publishing Absolutely. You know, when you look at it, um, there's a lot of self-publishing that you can do out there. You know, we do a lot of that for our clients. We've done, you know, oh gosh, I can't even tell you how many books now, just dozens and dozens of books for our clients. The end goal isn't always necessarily selling the book, but if you're a published author, it automatically gives you a different credibility level. So it's something that a lot of lawyers are, you know, a little cautious about it because they may not have time to write it or they may be a little bit afraid of that. You can have someone ghostwrite a book for you. We offer this service. A number of people out there offer, you know, offer the same type of service. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that can be as scary. I mean, you always have the, the rounds to edit the book. So you can make it your own and it's not, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, the lawyer does need to put their own touch on it. And we typically will go through in the first round and get a questionnaire so that we can have that flavor sort of written into it from the beginning. But then we want to make sure that that attorney has the chance to make those changes. But then having that finished book that you can put on your website, that you can put on social media, you know, our goal is is that you write about something that's, you know, at a level that your client can understand. You don't want to write above their heads. You don't want to write something that's 200 pages long that they'll never read. You want to give them some good, 
free information that can help them. Obviously, you can't give legal, legal advice in the book and that type of thing, but you can give some tips and you can give some things that will help them. So it sets you up as that instant expert. But the other beautiful thing that it does is that people don't think you're just trying to take their money for everything if you give this away to them. Wow, that guy was helping me, and there was a lot of useful information in there. Now, you know, the book should probably, you know, do enough to give that potential client the idea of, I've learned just enough to be dangerous, but I know that this is something maybe I can't do on my own. So then I'm going to call that attorney because that attorney was nice enough to write that book, and I believe them because they're an expert. And if I've got an issue, that's the one I'm going to call. Yep. And uh, they also are good things to pass out as client gifts. You know, the books, like you get, the, once Absolutely. you get a book done, the uh, cost per, pub, you know, for print is, you know, the more you get, it goes down, obviously. You know, a lot of people do ebooks, but, you know, they're great client gifts. And, you know, thinking about, you know, when people hire a law firm, they have a sense of ownership in a sense in that firm, and they're paying you good money. That's a, you're part of the part of their life experience, and to to give back to those clients, um, you know, without a bill attached is, is all a really nice touch. I mean, I get a Christmas card every year from a lawyer, I you know, who helped my family out with uh, some car accident back in when I was in college, and you know, every year without fail, the guy sends a Christmas card. Mm-hmm. It's a nice touch. Yeah, and the book can be the same kind of a tool. Yeah. Exactly. We're going to pause for our final break, and then we're coming back in segment four, and we're going to talk about stepping over dollars to pick up dimes. All right. Uh, for our final host messages, I want to tell you first that here at Augustine Legal Public Relations, we work with lawyers who want more clients and a better practice. While some hire us to produce all their marketing and publicity, others want to learn how to do their own business development. We visit Chicago area law firms and teach attorneys and their staff how to leverage experience and accomplishments to attract new media coverage and to help their potential clients and referrals find them and get to know them. Please email me for more information. You can get a hold of me at Nick, N-I-C-K, at Augustine Legal PR, or you can dial directly 630-445-1724 for more information. That telephone number again is 630-445-1724. also want to tell you about the Bryan Law Group. The Bryan Law Group in DuPage County also covers Chicago area, uh, handles all the matters that affect your family, including school law and animal law. Attorney Susan Bryan is available to speak to your group and help your members learn what to do when they spot legal issues that affect families and what people should know about protecting their families. Please email Susan, S-U-S-A-N, at com for more information. That's Susan at B-R-Y-A-N lawgroup.com. Again, Bryan Law Group with a Y. All right. Uh, also, quickly want to let you know that if you uh, visit the uh, newsletter page at AugustineLegalPR.com, you can sign up and receive free copies of our monthly updates and articles. We have a mid-month uh, emailer that uh, contains useful marketing and publicity articles. And also, we have the end-of-the-month emails with the uh, short descriptions and links to all of our months, our themed months uh, Law Talk Radio episodes. Again, uh, this month is marketing and publicity and branding. Uh, and again, you can listen to all of our uh, past episodes on demand at any time and you can find all those links from the on-demand uh, page of our website. I also want to ask people before we get to our uh, final segment to remind you to share our programming. Uh, most people find our shows and their other people's broadcast links and social networks. Uh, you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn pages. And, of course, we thank you all for your support in clicking the share button and sharing our guests and programming. All right, Jeannie, let's talk about stepping over dollars to pick up dimes. <laughs> Yeah, that was a, an old saying that I, I can't remember where I heard in my childhood. That it is it is so true with a lot of businesses and especially law firms today. Is you find that people want to go out and bring in new business, but it's so important to keep getting new clients in. So they're going to go out and they're going to spend a lot of money on outbound marketing, whether it's direct mail, whether it's television, whether it's you know internet campaigns. You know, it could be could be a number of other things, but they're going to spend a ton of money to do that. But um, what you find is that some of those same people who are willing to throw a lot of money at a problem, which is bringing in new clients, aren't actually working their referral base, whether that be client referrals or professional referrals. And um, new cases actually cost three to eight times as much to bring in as those that you get for referrals. 
So, you know, it's something that, you know, we find that you're going to, you know, you step over that dollar, which could be your client or your referral to pick up dimes, which is going to be that new client because it's going to cost you so much more. Makes a lot so of that's sense. that's the one thing that we say, you know, I mean, a, a lot of attorneys, too, it also, you know, will say when you ask them what's your number one source of business coming in, and they're going to say referrals. And right. I think it may be even less so today than it used to be, but if you could make that number even stronger or increase your business by just working that referral network even more, you know, why not do that? I mean, it's not to say that you don't have to go out and spend that money to find that wholly new client who may never have heard of you, may never have, you know, come in contact with anybody who has been a client at your firm or, you know, through any kind of a professional relationship. Um, They're a lot harder to get in, and and some firms still do need to go out and do that type of marketing. But you've got to also work your base. Right, right. And, you know, one of the things that I tell people, and uh, you likely tell them the same thing, is it's to have this top of – the top of mind awareness. I mean, how often does someone say, oh, do you know someone who does X, Y, Z? Yes, I do. I know I do, but I can't think of it right now. Um, but I could go through your head and, you know, think about different people you know. And what I oh, say yeah. is, like, your your monthly newsletter, people, you know, you may have, a, a, let's just say, say it's tended to 1,000 people on your list. You may have only 300, you know, p- you know certain percentage will not even open it, but they're still going to see your name. And if they see Absolutely. that your name sends them something, something frequently they know that you're there and you know they probably know what you do but they remember that you exist and we are bombarded by information these days and half of the goal with marketing branding is just remembering who exists yeah we had um we had an attorney tell us about um a client that they had had who was an extremely happy client they had gotten a great you know a great case settled for them and um that client had actually forgotten who they were and, um, you know, they had finally started doing a newsletter program upon our request and, and recommendation, and that client who had forgotten who they were and hadn't been in contact with them for a while because they hadn't been shown some love when the money wasn't there, um, when they got that newsletter, they picked up the phone and called and said, you know, I'm so glad to have gotten this newsletter from you, and, um, boy, I wish I, you know, I wish I had remembered your name, you know, a couple weeks ago. My friend got in an accident. You know, this happened. And they had forgotten. So it is really important to stay on the top of the mind. And, you know, newsletters are a great way to do that. I mean, there's a lot of other, you know, simple ways that you can do that in addition to that with your clients that can really make an impact. And, and like you say, you know, not every one of them is going to open a newsletter, but uh, if it just crosses their mind and keeps that name on the top, then when something does happen to their friend, a family member, themselves, they're going to remember you. And the other thing that it can do is, is also cross-sell other practice areas. You know, we've got a lot of firms that we work with, you know, some GP firms, some firms are going to expand into new practice areas. You know, this is a way for them to kind of educate those clients and let them know, hey, we do other, other things. If you liked us for this, if you ever, you know, maybe you're dealing with a bankruptcy or a family law issue or whatever it may be, think about us and that can help get them new business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what about asking for referrals? What are your thoughts on that? And who would you ask them from, and how would you go about it? You know, it depends. I mean, each state you know, can be a little bit different with your bar regulations with that, but it is definitely good to ask for referrals. You know, people, people do want to help out, you know, and a lot of people want to be able to be that one who – Give the friend, you know, good information. You know, let them know about the latest restaurant. Let them know if they're having an issue, what lawyer is good. So, you know, I don't I don't see any problem with asking for someone to kind of pass your name along if, if you appreciated the service. And, uh, you know, it's something that's tried and true, and, and it's community-based, and I think that people do it. And, you know, that can be done through social media. That can be done through your newsletters, that can be done in person, but getting that message out that you, you know, the, the best compliment that you can give is to tell a friend about us is, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So you have the client referrals, but you can also ask for them, <clears throat> excuse me, in the professional realm. You've got a lot of firms and a lot of lawyers who do business, and, you know, maybe it's other types of lawyers who could help them out. You know, some of your PI lawyers might be able to, speak to, you know, young business lawyers who are starting out or something else. You know, you can get, you know, different um, different referrals from lawyers. Some, 
you know, some lawyers who might be, you know, into the business law, that type of thing, they need to work their professional referral network of bookkeepers, accountants, financial planners, that type of thing, because those people are going to be ones who are going to be likely to refer business to them. So, you know, it, it's okay to ask that. It's okay to ask other attorneys to refer business to you. I mean, that can be some of the most beneficial relationships that you develop. And even within a practice area, you know, we've got one attorney here we work with who um, does injury law, and uh, one of their biggest sources of income is a relationship they've developed with a firm who does the high-end cases. Well, they don't take all of, you know, the smaller medium cases that the firm that we work with does. So they've developed a you know referral relationship with them. We've also had the reverse where we work with the big one in the market and they want to refer out. So and and they'll work with firms who do the smaller end who know, hey, if I get a big case I might not be able to handle, I'm gonna call this person now because they're good to me during different times and we've got, you know, a great relationship and that works. Right, right. And then that all makes sense. Um and we refer let's back we have um, minutes left. Something that we haven't touched upon yet, and I think it kind of I like it with the dollars over dimes. Um let's talk about return on uh investment with time and resources and the amount of patience that it takes for branding branding is something that takes place over time. Um, you know, marketing a lot of people have put in X dollars and what am I gonna get back? When do I start uh, measuring my dollars and dimes and how? I think you start measuring your dollars and dimes from the beginning. I mean, there should always be metrics in, in everything that you do. And it, it does take a while for these things to, you know, sometimes catch hold, but you will start seeing some results with a lot of the client relationship marketing as well as your other type of marketing, even from the beginning. So, you know, one thing that you need to look at is that, you know, sometimes one part of your marketing is going to impact another and make it look better or make it work better. So it's important to be able to, identify it back to a single source, but then it's also important to look at your marketing as a whole of what you're doing this year and does it create better overall results than what you did last year. So a number of metrics that you can look at are, you know, your your website hits, how many leads are coming in. You can look at, you know, how many, you know, how many fans that you have on Facebook now, how many Twitter followers you have, what's your interaction with those? Are you getting, you know, conversations going or is it just basically a with that, you you want that interaction, and that's going to be something to measure with that. You know, of course, your client intake, you should be calling and asking questions. And one thing we've asked now is for our, our attorneys to maybe change up um, change up the way that they do things instead of just asking, you know, how did you, how did you hear about us or why are you calling us today? Because a lot of times, you know, it may be that someone t- saw a television ad, they got a direct mail piece, they, you know, heard from a friend, they checked out your website, and then they went to call you and they opened up the phone book and they called from that. So when you ask them, how did you hear about us, they're going to say the Yellow Pages. So it may not be the only source that created that decision or that even made the decision. That might just be the place where they went to get the phone number. A lot of times today people are just going to Google you beyond that instead of the phone book we're finding. But what happens is you've got all those different sources. So we asked them, instead of just asking, how did you hear about us, you know, have you seen this? Have you seen our website? Have you visited this? Do you ask some more in-depth conversations or questions to be able to look at that? And then you also take some of the metrics from the website and the other pieces and uh, pull those together. You can also work with vanity numbers or different types of call tracking numbers that can give you a little bit more input on your marketing. All this stuff should be examined each month. And, you know, we've had firms who've been pulling data like this for years, but yet they didn't necessarily know how to look at it. Uh, so sometimes it's good to be able to take a step back from that and have somebody else take a look who may not be as close to it as you are. Because right. you're going to be looking at such a micro-fine piece of it. You may be looking at some reports from email that says, here's how many got opened, you know, here's how many click-throughs we had, that type of thing. But you're going to want somebody who can also take a step back and say, all right, well, that may be true, but we had a click-through to this part of the website. That person spent more time on your website and, you know, be able to take a look at some of the other factors that were involved in it and and really review that and and help make some good decisions. Um, You know, beyond that, as far as just looking at the metrics and the efficiencies of it, it can help you also fine-tune campaigns, add better content, give a better direction, and then tweak that campaign to make it more impactful. 
Very good tips. Jeannie, we're out of time, but I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. Thank you so much, Nick, for having me. Tell us, folks, again at home, again, how they can get a hold of you. They can get a hold of me. They can visit our website at vitallinkweb.com. V is in Victor, I-T-A-L-I-N-K-W-E-B.com. All right, very good. Jeannie, thanks again for so much of your time, and I hope everyone out there who has any questions, reach out and call and ask someone. People like Jeannie and myself are available to help people nationwide with all these uh, questions about, you know, and a lot of a lot of groupthink out there. So it's good to kind of step out of the step out of the pack and ask some professionals who do this every day, right, Jeannie? Absolutely is, and your radio show is a, a great start of that, and I appreciate being part of it. All right, thanks. All right, well, you have a good night, and thank you to all of our listeners at home for tuning in to this episode of Law Talk Radio. Uh, thanks also to Chris McCarthy of Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance. Chris McCarthy provides individuals and business owners with expert guidance and exclusive access to Northwestern Mutual's life and disability insurance policies. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Law Talk Radio episodes are programmed to entertain and bring our legal industry professionals and consumers and guests tips, tools, and news that they can use to be better informed practitioners and consumers. Again, this is Nick Augustine for Law Talk Radio, and as always, I thank you for your time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.